Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. You are listening to episode 301 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. And as always, I am so thrilled that you're joining us today. If you are a listener, new listener, or an old listener that haven't taken our sex quiz, I want to make sure that you are taking two minutes out of your busy schedule to take this quiz. This quiz is specifically for women, vulva owners, and the goal of it is to help you to pinpoint the problem areas in your sex life. One of the questions I often get from people is that, you know what, my sex life is not where I want it to be, or things were better 10 years ago. I don't know what happened. This is a quiz for you. You get some ideas on what are some of the kind of areas that you need to focus on, and you will get some possible solutions and resources. So make sure you are taking the quiz. It takes like five minutes, no more than five minutes. As I mentioned, today we're going to talk about sex and sleep. We're going to talk about how the sleep affects sex. We're going to talk about does sex improve your quality of sleep? We're going to talk about some tips and strategy, how to improve the quality of sleep. We're going to talk about whether our guest recommends for couples to have two separate beds. Our guest is Terry Crawley. Terry is a registered nurse based in Washington, D.C. She is certified in clinical sleep health and has co-authored two books on sleep, Snoozy and Great Big Bedtime Battle, the first nonfiction book directly messaging the benefit of sufficient sleep to young children and sleeping your way to the top, the ultimate guide to success through sufficient sleep. Terry works with a variety of organizations throughout the US and the Europe to promote sleep health and wellness. You can read her full bio in the show notes. All right, without further ado, here's my full conversation with Harry Crawley. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Terry Crawley to our show. Terry, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I am very excited about this conversation. I know before recording, we're just talking about how this is a topic that many people are not necessarily talking about it. It's a main issue that I hear my clients have struggling with sleep and it's definitely impact their sexual connection with the partner, their energy level and willingness. So tell us how does sleep affect sex? Oh my gosh. Well, I will start by saying that sleep affects almost everything, almost every aspect of our functioning as human beings. It's amazing how sleep or, you know, enough sleep or a lack of sleep impacts our, our daily lives. And I think it's many people are very surprised at how, how much it, it affects our lives. So, so I look at sleep as sort of the foundation. We used to look at sleep, diet, and exercise as the three pillars of health and wellness and well-being. But now we actually don't look at it in terms of three pillars. We look at it more as a triangle with sleep being the foundation. Diet and exercise are completely dependent upon sleep. So when you look at it that way and look at sleep being so foundational, it certainly impacts us as sexual beings. It, it, it affects Sex, of course, it affects our relationships. It affects our 
physical, mental health, and our attitudes, how we problem solve, how we go through our day, how we perceive our partners. I mean, it's it's very, very far reaching. And I think if we, my main objective for our call today is to motivate people to get sufficient sleep on a daily basis, because I think far too many people don't prioritize sleep and don't think it's that important, or they think they've learned how to get by with less than needed. And then they're having either, they can have sexual problems, relationship issues, health problems that affect our sexual health. And all of these, this is intertwined, but we have to kind of scoop back and look at it through through the, the lens of let's put sleep first and then see how everything else falls into place. So I think it's important to come away with a healthy respect for sleep. If you've been, if anyone has sort of dismissed it as not important or not something to strive to get every day, hopefully I can persuade them to think otherwise about that. Well, we're unfortunately at a time of a hustle culture. Like the more, the longer hour you work, the more you uh, work, it's almost, it's a way of kind of earning respect that like I haven't, I only slept two hours. But when people come for therapy, one of the things we talk about is the sleep. Because if you're not sleeping enough or the quality Mm -hmm. of the sleep is poor, it impacts our mood, impacts our relationship. And as you were mentioning, it's impact our sexual health in a number of different ways. I wonder that. So when we're talking about sleep quality, one part is duration and one is the quality. I mean, like when we talk about sleep issues, how do we know if we're struggling? Because we, we often hear that different people, different age groups, they require different levels of kind of different duration of sleep and it look, couldn't look mm-hmm. different. So tell us more about that. Well, you know, it's pretty precise in terms of most adults really do need seven to nine hours. And that's every single 24 hours. It's not just undersleeping during the week and oversleeping on the weekend. We truly need that seven to nine hours every day of the week. And it's amazing. I do a lot of programs, workshops, seminars, and I have people telling me that they've learned how to get by on a lot less. But, you know, if if I talk to them for a period of time, I realize they're not really getting by. They're really fooling themselves because they'll say, oh, I've learned to get by on five hours a night. I want to be successful. I want to get a lot of things done. And I say, it doesn't work that way. You're cheating yourself of this sleep and it will catch up with you. It could be physical health problems, mental health problems, and, you know, poor work performance, just all kinds of things that people don't normally connect to lack of sleep. They think, well, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm sleepy. And I'm saying, no, 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 (laughs) it's so much more. So truly, there are very few short sleepers in our population. They do get by, it's a genetic variant, but they can get by with, say, maybe five to six hours a night and do okay. But that is such a minuscule number of people that really have that. So I tell people to look at sleep similarly to thirst. I mean, we don't go through the day trying to get by with as little as water as as possible. You know, we know we need to drink water to stay health, hydrated and healthy, and we're just not viewing sleep. Similarly, we have to look at sleep as schedule sleep, get the sleep seven to nine hours for most adults, and then work around that because we actually 
get more done and do it better when we're well rested. And that's a hard concept for a lot of people to understand. They want to trade, you know, waking hours for sleep hours and and think, well, I need to get more done. I'm going to sleep less. And it it just doesn't come out that way. It's it's the quality of waking hours, not the number of them. So it's an important thing to to look at. Um, and then we start thinking about time management because truly if our health and our relationships are important. We need to manage our time better and say, I'm going to put that time towards sufficient sleep. And then I will have energy. I'll have a motive. I'll be feel motivated. A lot of people don't realize how incredibly helpful sufficient sleep is to mitigate the effects of stress. You can get stress levels down. So, so instead of falling in bed exhausted at night or falling asleep watching television and exhausted, you'll have energy for, for your, your partner. You'll have energy to expend it with your children, family members. I mean, it's just so, it can be so life changing for people that haven't prioritized sleep and really given sleep the time and attention it warrants. Absolutely. And you're you're right when you talk about uh, kind of issues with exhaustion and kind of a stress level and our relationships, because people sometimes they're telling me they have low desire. But right. what, what we're talking about often is that they're in a survival mode constantly because mm-hmm. they're not sleeping sure. well. So of course that the desire will not show up for most people. So sleep is, is essential part of kind of like the baseline of like establishing health and that's why perhaps you're struggling with desire or sexual functioning one thing that often i hear that having regular sex helps with sleep have you found any connection there yes there's some research supporting that and i think it's a little bit of a bi-directional relationship i mean the more sleep you know if you're well rested you're more likely to have desire and and having all these feelings and emotions and we're we're in a better place in so many ways when we're well rested and we're going to get better sleep a lot of there's some research out about better sleep after sexual relations at, before bed and and it's a wonderful two-way street because then you'll get the better sleep which will lead to a little more romance and, and things like that so i think you know, what worries me is people attribute the the lack of desire or the, you know, I don't have time. I don't have the energy for a healthy sexual relationship, but they probably do if they just know how to, you know, put sleep first and, and look at it as sort of the starting point. And so many things will, like I said before, will fall into place and you'll feel better. And it's just amazing what it will do to the rela- a relationship. Well, when we're thinking about sleep, I think part of it is kind of having proper sleep hygiene, kind of like it's going to bed and making sure you have time to go to bed, like you have a winding down time and waking up at certain like time of the day consistently. But uh, one, one thing I hear from my clients, when they even carve out that time, they continue mm-hmm. to struggle to fall asleep. So it turns to this more of a frustration for them. So tell us more about that, that, okay, if we decide to prioritize sleep and we can fall asleep, 
What are some of the suggestions you have around that? Well, one of the first things that I say is is truly important is keep the bed completely reserved for romance and sleep only. Don't do a lot of work in bed. Don't use the bed to watch television if possible. I mean, I would ideally electronics out of the bedroom. And I would look at the bedroom. The purpose of the bedroom is sleep and romance. I would decorate it and furnish it accordingly. Make it a serene environment that's conducive to both, you know, minimally decorated, subtle colors, but just something that's relaxing to go into. I do think it's important for adults to have a bedtime routine. It's not just for children. Adults need to do those steps in the same order every night. You almost can go on autopilot, but if you carve out a very relaxing, serene, whatever it is for you, but have that routine because that helps transition your mind and body from wake to sleep. I would keep the lights low in the evening before bed. I mean, avoid the bright lights. Even when you go into the bathroom to say, brush your teeth or or wash up, some of those bathroom lights can be so bright and that will impact the melatonin production. We need some, we need the lights low so we get the melatonin to help us fall asleep. One important thing, and I, I know we're all so busy and we have hectic lives, everyone does, but it's it's so common when you lie down to go to sleep, your mind can start racing and you think of all the things you didn't do or need to do. And it's amazing what happens in, in that respect. So I always recommend to make a list. I mean, a handwritten list or any any way you prefer to do it. But I tell you, there, there's, there's actually some, a little study I read about that once. And it was just good research about you get it on paper and it just things look more manageable and you've sort of offloaded that and then keep it out. Don't bring it in the bedroom. Do it a couple of hours before bedtime. So you're in a better place. But And there are wonderful things to do with the routine. I would save something special for you and and your partner, you know, just some yoga poses. Obviously, a bath or shower before bed can do really help with a temperature adjustment that does help you fall asleep while it warms you up initially you as you cool off getting out of a hot warm shower or bath that sort of cooling off will help you know help you fall asleep and i I mean. I really would invest in in a really, really comfortable, comfortable sleep surface. I mean, get get a mattress that feels incredible. Get a mattress that you and your bed partner can both sleep on comfortably. I mean, it's, and I know some people get sticker shock or they'll say, you know, I don't want to spend that much, but think about it. I mean, we often hear we spend one third of our lives sleeping, but think of it another way. It's 56 hours every week. So you want to feel wonderful when you lie down. Do you feel in it just relaxed? Are you really on the most comfortable sheets you can find? I mean, I think prioritizing the bedroom pays off in, in numerous ways that will so, so increase the quality of your life. So make that a, a priority. But I also think this is something I've been discussing recently with some people about sleeping apart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a tall order. 
you know, you can have the most wonderful partner. You can have amazing sex. You can have (laughs) a a wonderful love life. But, you know, some people like it hot. Some people like it cold. Some people like them for a mattress. Some people like it soft. I mean, it's a tall order to get that. I mean, it can be done. I just want people to not feel like it's a poor reflection on the relationship to sleep separately, because sometimes that that's what it takes. And I recently ha- had have a, a colleague and she had to get CPAP to help her. She had obstructive sleep apnea. And she's like, oh, you know, I don't want my husband to see me wearing it. And I said, but you're going to feel so much better. You'll be so amazed. But she had been sleeping separately because of her snoring and apnea. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she said, things are back to where they, you know, were years ago because they sleep separately. She doesn't feel self-conscious, which you shouldn't be for CPAP, but she feels so much better. She has more energy. She, she said, you know, her attitude and mood and the way she communicates with her husband is infinitely better. I mean, you see all those things fall into place when you're getting a good night's sleep. So it truly doesn't matter if you're sharing the bed or if you're in separate bedrooms or just in separate beds. We've seen a lot of, I would say, increased popularity in two twin XL mattresses side by side on an adjustable basis. Someone can have their head up and be reading. Someone can lay flat while the other person does that. I mean, and there's just, there's new technology in that arena that I, I think is worth worth a look at and and definitely can enhance the sleep experience. And back to your question, if you are having problems falling asleep, staying asleep, it's so funny. We, we always look at sleep medicine as sort of getting no respect, you know, in, in the entire, <laughs> in all the subspecialties. It's relatively new specialty in medicine when you think about it in context with the other specialties. And I think that lack of respect or or just sort of overlooking it, people don't present to a sleep doctor when they should, or they'll say it'll get better on its own, or they'll just give me medication. That's not what I want. That's not about, that's not what it's about at all. There's some wonderful treatments that don't involve medications. Some do, some don't. You can have, you can do cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, very effective treatment that can really change people's lives that have been dealing with insomnia. So I don't think it's something, you know, if it doesn't get better on its own, or if you're having problems ongoing, always address sleep at every healthcare provider encounter. I look at sleep as a vital sign. I mean, it's that important. And I think it's so critical to your overall well-being, health, quality of life, and, and, and optimal functioning that it should be addressed always, not something to be ignored. Just, you know, sleep doctors are out there. They know how to help people. And it's it's just imperative that you get things treated so you can get a good night's sleep. Absolutely. And I think I have colleagues and friends that sleep in different beds and that they, they tell me that's very helpful for their relationship because you feel mm-hmm. more energized to have sex because if you're exhausted, one of the yeah. things that you might not kind of like have capacity to do is just to kind of like have that intimate sexual connection with your partner. And I know that again, it's when you're tired, sexual function, it tends to get impacted, kind of desire level can get impacted. And even I know one of the assessment we do for men who are struggling with getting an erection is if they have a morning erection or not. So it can give you lots of good information about different, your quality of sleep, your physiological health, so that they are sex and sleep definitely connected. If we're struggling in bedroom, how do we know if it's related to sleep or something else is going on? 
Well, I mean, the lack of sleep and as a result of a sleep disorder, and there are n- numerous sleep disorders out there, can lead to erectile dysfunction, can lead to a lot of health problems that affect our sexual lives, diabetes, heart disease. Just it, it's, it's a horribly long list of, of health problems that stem from a lack of sleep. Certain cancers are related to lack of sleep. Alzheimer's, dementia, there's a lot of research going on in that arena and things I mean, in the here and now, but and also down the road. So it's it's something to pay attention to. But all of these things by neglecting or not getting enough sleep, you're, you're the issues, even obesity. Boy, there's been sort of a parallel epidemic of sleeplessness and obesity and just showing, you know, we're, we still need to take sleep seriously and, and to look at the weight thing. All, all of these things really do affect our sex lives and, and how we relate. And that's, again, why you might just think, well, I've got this problem. Say it's it's my diabetes is is out of control. I'm not really, you know, I'm stressed about that. So I'm not thinking about sex. And and this is this is an interesting story. I had, had a physician call me about one of our mutual patients, and she said, you know, I'm going to not bug him about wearing his CPAP. He had severe sleep apnea. She said, but his blood sugars are so out of control. We're going to focus on that, and then we'll get back to you and and getting him compliant with sleep with the CPAP. And um, that's for the continuous positive of airway pressure that one of the treatments for apnea. And I said, let's flip that. Let's flip that. Let's get him wearing his CPAP, getting a good night's sleep, and you will see the blood sugars stabilizing. And that's exactly what happened. So that's why I say it's very important to always talk about things with your healthcare provider, because you may not think it's related to a lack of sleep or, or poor quality sleep when in, in actuality it is. Look at people getting up. I talked to a gentleman the other day, Nocturia. You know, he's getting up frequently to use the restroom at night, interrupting his sleep. He said, well, now it's probably because of all my medications I'm on for my heart, my blood pressure. And, you know, again, and I, I say, but, you know, in, in the same sentence, he's telling me that He's a busy person and doesn't have a lot of time for sleep, but the sleep he's getting is very disruptive. It's really nice to keep a sleep diary mm-hmm. and get a sense of when you're actually sleeping, how you're sleeping, and can kind of look at it. And of course, we have sleep trackers now. Sometimes they're a little controversial. I mean, I guess there could be an argument that you could sort of overanalyze it. I don't know. I think it's good. I like to read the calories you know, on a package of food that I, you know, on a box of whatever I'm buying in the grocery store. I like to know my calorie intake. So similarly, I like to know what my sleep looks like at all times. What what can I do better? So again, it's making that a priority to see how everything else can, can improve. And as you mentioned, there are a galaxy of options, like different kind of diagnoses when it comes to someone struggling with sleep issues. And I know that many people do sleep study. At what point people you think it would be appropriate for people to go for sleep studies? Well, it's that's something, you know, to talk with you, your primary care provider. And there's always a lot of misinformation about sleep studies aren't covered or it, they're common. I think the insurers and, and the people know how important sleep is. We want to get people treated for whatever's going on and you can do them in home, but sleep studies in a clinic are certainly one of the easiest tests you're going to take. The wires, you know, people say, oh, how will I get up in the middle of the night if I go to a sleep clinic and use the restroom? It's so easy. You know, you can just, they all kind of converge into one plug and we can get them on their feet and everything. 
but it's it's good to sort of get a feeling of how they're sleeping or not sleeping and, and go from there. It's just, again, it, it's so important. I also talk about a lot of things have to do with daytime functioning. You know, we, we, you know, when we start thinking, is there a sleep problem? It's not just lying in bed, trying to fall asleep and staying asleep in the bed. Like, how do you function during the day? Are you reaching for coffee all day long or sodas or something to keep you going? That's not, that's not normal. I mean, and if you're doing that, we, you know, we got to stop and say, well, how, what's going on at night? Because excessive daytime sleepiness can lead to a host of problems, obvious problems, you know, just trying to get through the day or falling asleep at bad times. But drowsy driving, it's as dangerous as drunk driving. And people, I don't think look at it in that context. I think that, that even the name drowsy driving isn't that, but it's, it's a very, very dangerous thing. And I, I've worked with people that have been in pretty bad accidents from that. You, you don't have that control. It, it's just sort of a fallacy that you can control, you know, oh, I, I can stay awake no matter how tired. I, I No, you will have a micro sleep. Your brain at some point will shut off and you can turn up the radio as loud as possible and do a lot of things. But boy, you will, a micro sleep is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, and then I think people look at, again, back to daytime functioning. Are they burned out at work? Are they having problems, job satisfaction problems? Are they having trouble? with teamwork, getting along with colleagues, things like that. Things you don't necessarily link to sleep are linked to sleep. So it's it's kind of interesting to sort of open some people's eyes about, you know, let's let's look at this and go pedal back to tell me how you're sleeping. So there's the Epworth sleepiness score you can take to see how that daytime sleepiness is affecting in a high score would, would warrant a study. And I think anyone that is excessively tired during the day, don't assume it's an inevitable part of aging. Don't assume that or don't assume you're, I've had people say, oh, I'm in my 30s. Of course, I'm going to be tired all day. No, <laughs> no, let's don't make that assumption, but go see your primary care doctor can refer you to a sleep doctor or you can go straight to one. But if, if you're excessively tired during the day or if you have a bed partner that is noticing pauses in your breathing while sleeping, definitely get it checked out. Well, for couples who are listening to our conversation and they want to improve their sleep together, what are some of the rituals, things that you recommend for couples to do in order to keep each other's accountable and improve their sleep? Yeah, I think I think we have to be very, the first point is be very respectful of people's need for sleep. Be unapologetic for your biological need for sleep. And, you know, if, if your spouse, we run into some situations sometimes where we have to get creative. If we have, a say, a morning lark, who's with a night owl person, or they have very disparate job start times and stop times, things like that. It can be tricky if someone's a shift worker. So, I mean, the first rule of thumb is be very respectful. If you have a partner who has to sleep during the day and and work at night, just, you know, let that happen. If you have, if you've, you know, you've just had a baby, get people not necessarily to, I mean, let them, new mothers just, I feel so bad for them not getting the sleep they need, but make sure they can take a nap and, and get that sleep during the day if they need to take naps, things like that. So, I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is be respectful and try to help, be supportive. 
uh, of the need for sleep and don't infringe on someone. It would just, you know, be quiet if someone's trying to sleep. If someone, I mean, we do, you know, napping is something we can do. I know when I've caught a 5 a.m. flight, 5.30 a.m., I'm going to need a nap later that day. And it just, you know, just if you don't need a nap, just be quiet. Well, I need a nap. It's such a beautiful way. I, I always, I always tell when I talk to children, you know, a great way to say, I love you is get your sleep. You know, but I, I really do think it's that important. And if you realize all the utmost importance of sleep to a person's fundamental well-being, you will make sure they get that. And again, go back to just, I said, you know, what a nice thing to do is it, I say, set a bedtime alarm. And sometimes, I mean, I am shocked and dismayed when I read about or hear about how much time we spend, like it's screen time or watching TV in the evening rather than, you know, a lot of FaceTime with our partners and, and things like that. We spend a lot of time in front of screens. It, it just would be nice to have that alarm at night, Wh- whatever works for you, but just something, a little buzzer going off at the get ready for bedtime where you can do that together and, and have some, I mean, if it's just sitting in, in a serene, beautiful room doing yoga poses, but just having some connection time. I recently talked to a group who were saying that, you know, we just need me time. You know, like you look at, say, young parents with children and, you know, they're working, they've got little kids. And they just feel so not just robbed of each other's time, but of themselves. So I've heard much more about the me time problem. You know, really, the only way to look at it is sleep. Look at sleep right now as your me time. You'll have time later when the kids are older and things are less hectic for some me time. But definitely have that together time and do something, save something wonderful for bedtime. I think bedtime's always been presented in a negative manner, whether to children or adults. You know, you get to stay up late if you're good, go to bed early if you're not so good. You know, there's there's some negative connotations. And just like you brought up, there's negative connotations. You know, if I'm ambitious and a go-getter who needs sleep i'll power through it well we can't but we've always equated you know a lack of sleeplessness with success those kinds of an achievement but i would you know save something wonderful to do at bedtime to sort of flip the script and make it a positive time couples that oh it's a wonderful thing to do with each other or, or your children Name three good things or write down three good things that happened that day. I think the thing is to get into a serene mindset or, or, or I mean, just something quiet activity you can do together or separately. But, to, you know, I, have, I know people, one's a reader and she's the knitter and they love to sit and knit. You know, she knits while he reads a book and then they have their, but they're together in the bed and, and they can talk. And it's just that bonding is wonderful. And when they're getting asleep, I think the romance will be there. And that I think there'll be just much more desire on everyone's part and feeling good and not irritable, not stressed out. I tell you that, you know, people, I can't fall asleep because I'm so stressed out. And I mean, this is a tricky one because the more stressed out we are, we're more likely to lie awake, but the more sleep we get, the less likely we are to lie awake. So at some point you have to just do everything you can to get that sleep, start with sleep and then go from there. 
I like that you you were mentioning that honoring your partner's differences, right? Sometimes people say like we have to go to bed together and wake up together, but in reality, people's circadian rhythm could be significantly different, and that would be lead to someone if someone is tossing and turning and fidgeting in bed when someone else is trying to fall asleep. I think that can cause an issue. And you're right; in some cases, having separate beds also can be a solution for for others. But I think prioritizing sleep, and I always say prioritizing sex, <laughs> prioritizing <Sure>. sleep <laughs> is really important and leads to more energy to do all fun kind of experiences that you want to have around sex and intimacy or if it requires like your sex life requires some kind of like exploration working on you will have more energy to do those things if you are feeling better because if you're irritated you're exhausted you will might not have the capacity to address whatever you need to address in order to have uh, more connecting experiences. So if people want to learn more about you, where can they find your information? What are some of the resources you're sharing with your clients? Yes, there's some great resources out there. The Better Sleep Council has a website, bettersleep.org. Wonderful information on all aspects of, of sleep and all different topics that relate to it. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine and the National Sleep Foundation have wonderful guidelines for the children at certain age levels, how many hours of sleep they should be getting every 24 hours. Those are real helpful. And they have little bedtime calculators that you can sort of plug in. Well, if I need these this many hours, what time should my child go to bed? And those are really helpful. But I think I, I think there's wonderful things out there. I would try to get real proactive about sleep. I would talk to every family member about sleep in the daytime when you're not tired and and make sure it's a priority. I think sufficient sleep should be a personal, family, classroom, and workplace priority. And I think we should work with each other and support each other's need for sleep and, and really see a difference. And if anyone listening hasn't been or felt well-rested and don't think they've been getting that seven to nine hours every night, I would say like mark off 30 days, like a 30 day period where you really do stop and say, I'm going to put this first, make it a priority and work around it and see if it doesn't really change many aspects, including your love life, because it, it, it truly can. Beautiful. Do you offer classes? Do you have programs for people who want to improve their sleep? I do mainly to large groups. Okay. So I, I'll talk to, I do a lot of work with, well, young kids all the way up to senior centers, but yes, it's wonderful. And, and I think having some tried and true strategies that are realistic. I mean, we know there's sleep hygiene rules out there, but there's also real life out there. So I try to help people. Let's just work out and, and groups work out a reasonable way. It won't be perfect every single day, but once you sort of get in the swing of it, realize how much better you feel things will fall into place. And I think there are a lot of good strategies. My website is terrycrawleyrn.com. And again, I think one of the better ones is one of the most helpful websites is bettersleep.org. Beautiful. I'll leave the link to your website in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming to the show and sharing your information and expertise with us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope you guys found our conversation meaningful. And if you're struggling with sleep, consider buying Terry's book. I wonder if there's a part of it that 
genetic. I know that in my family, we have the kind of struggles with insomnia, almost like all of us. And what has helped me is to improve my sleep hygiene one at a time. I still have a long way to go, but at least it's, it's something that I'm working on. If you have additional suggestions, write me and let me know what has worked for you. I also wanted to remind you, this is the last week that you can submit your review for the podcast to be entered to win a $100 Amazon card. All you need to do is write down the review, like the honest review of our show, and post it either on Apple Podcasts, Teachers, CastBox, wherever you're listening to this show, and take a screenshot and DM me at Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Textology Podcast. I'll announce the winner in our next episode. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.